you know, not thinking that Rolly Romero really was deserving of this fight. I really didn't think he purpose it really. And this still kind of is a no-win fight for Tank as far as just like legacy and resume-wise. I don't think Rolly Romero, if Tank wins and, uh, you know, smokes Rolly kind of the way I'm, I'm guessing he does. I really don't think it does anything really. It's, not, it's definitely not a top five win for Tank. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think it's uh, going to, at least it won't end as a top five win for Tank. Probably won't even end as a top ten uh, wins for him. I'm sure it's a decent payday. I'm sure that uh, it's got it's generated a lot of buzz, even from people that aren't really even usually in the boxing world. I see a lot of MMA reporters that are covering this fight, covering, uh, talking to Roller Romero. Roller Romero does have a presence about him in this, you know, uh, that generates kind of a buzz, right? And when he fights, his style is very interesting to watch. It's very interesting to see what he's going to do in the ring. I've seen a lot of people predict that he, maybe he even gets disqualified in this fight. They saw a match that he'll willing to take no chance to get disqualified. And I don't think that's an outrageous thing to predict. I think that's a very reasonable thing to predict, especially we've seen Rolly Romero fight. Especially we've seen the intensity that Rolly Romero has. And, you know, um, he's kind of got the, when he's in the ring, he doesn't do anything. It's, it's you or him. That's the way he sees it. And that's the way he, he fights. Now, Tank Davis, who is known as a KO guy, as a stoppage guy, but he's, he's also, you know, just very skilled fighter. He's not just a guy that, to me, relies on his power. Like, he could very easily, to me, win this fight on decision. I think that if Marinas was able, in my eyes, to win the fight against Romero on decision, not get it officially, but it, to me, he thought, I thought he did enough. Davis will be able to do that. Now, while saying that about Davis, it's not saying that he, defensively he is uh, 100% uh, secure like like Floyd Mayweather, right? He's not like that. He His guard is very questionable. He makes a lot of mistakes. He gets lazy with it. Um, he's always kind of looking for his offense. Now, he does have the legs to move around and keep the spacing if he needs to, and he's very balanced with his movement. So that allows him uh, not only to be able to punch going backwards, set up shots, but just able to get out of range of like multiple steps. Uh, and even if you're following him or chasing him, he's gonna he he would be able to get, uh, keep the distance, uh, and especially because you're not want you're not gonna want to walk into him. I don't know if that's a strategy. He hasn't really fought consistently with that strategy. You've seen it a little bit in the Isaac Cruz fight, but Isaac Cruz, you know, he hurt his hand in the Isaac Cruz fight, so I think he had a fight like that. And he, but you've seen the ability of him to be a tactical box uh, boxer and pick his shots a lot more and set up his shots and walk guys into shots. I also seen it in the Barrio fight, like how creative he was with his offense and the points where he boxed in that fight as well. He's capable of doing that now. Consistently, that's going to be more of a mentality thing, right? That's more. Uh, in, is it in his mentality to box like that? Sorry, I shut microphone plugged in because I was like, this is talking and nothing, no, no rhyme. So I just wanted to make sure my mic was plugged in. But is it, is, is he have the mentality to be able to stay consistently uh, boxing like that? Or is, you know, is the offensive mind, is he too offensive mind to really ever switch from that style? And in this fight, does he go in there looking to, you know, really put it on Roller Mill? Because a lot of people have been using uh, the Floyd Mayweather. Uh, versus Troll Gotti as an example for a lot of the fights for the guys at 135, especially like Haney, a gun fight Cambosos, um, Shakur versus Valdez, and that's at 130. But that, those are examples used because people want to see that. That's like, you know, like you're stepping into that next level and this is how you're going to do it. This is how impressive, how dominant it's going to be. Now, I don't think Shakur Valdez, uh, I don't think Shakur really lived up to the performance of like Floyd versus Gotti in that fight. Now, even though it was a picture perfect fight, I think people thought he was going to put it on Valdez. A lot more. I think people are really expecting that versus Davis versus Romero, and people are expecting that versus Haney versus Campos. So this is their situation they're in now. I don't think Romero 
is as good as Convulsus. I personally do not uh, think that. Now, I've had uh, I've had people tell me that they thought Romero would be Convulsus, right? But this was before Convulsus uh, beat Tiafima. So they weren't high on Convulsus at all. I don't know if their opinions changed now seeing him fight Tiafima. But I think people are expecting these kind of performances. Um, I think it's possible Davis could really do that to Romero. I think that Romero is... Uh, He's got a very interesting style. He does uh, have some power, uh, thudding shots, but I don't think he has the kind of power where he touches you to go to sleep. I don't think he has that at all. I think he, he does have thudding shots, and he does have some pop to him, but I don't think he's not one punch. He's not, uh, if he touches, you know, like I said, if he touches you to go to sleep, or, uh, you know, he could graze you and hurt you. I don't, I don't believe he has that at all. So he has thudding shots. I think Davis would be able to stand in there with him, and his offense would just be too sharp, and Romero you know, often gets off of balance off one of his big shots. He often, you know, I'm not going to say he just hasn't gotten more skilled recently. He has. He has gotten more crafty with applying his skill. And he. it's not like he's become, to me, not like uh, technically better. But he's learning the trade, I guess I would say. And he, the way he's applying it maybe is smarter than he was doing it before. Now, like his punches aren't technically getting better. His movements aren't technically getting better. But just the way he's applying his game, he's smarter in the ring than he ever was. I'll give him that. Still, he's unbalanced. Still, he misses big. Still, he moves straight back. Still, he puts his chin in the air. Um, still, he loses himself going backwards. He still swings and leans too forward and loses his balance. He does all these things. And a guy like Davis, he can't really do those things. Right? He can't because he's so balanced. That even if he misses, he's setting. He has enough. Uh, his legs are always in place for another shot. Or if you miss, he's always in place to make you pay for a shot. So if they get into a part where they're exchanging, Davis is going to win that um, to me by devastating fashion because of just his balance. To me, like, if I watch a boxer and I want to know how skilled he really is, right, or if I want to make, like, if I was a scout, right, and I was scouting talent for promotion, what things I would look for, it'd be balance. Balance would be very important to me and the control of distance. I think if you had those two things and you just kind of went off of that when just scouting guys sparring or hitting pads or the back, I think you would hit way more than you would miss. Because those are two, you know, very hard things to learn, very hard things to teach. And sometimes a guy has it naturally, he can really expand on that as he goes on. Davis has that naturally. He is one of the more balanced guys uh, when it comes to his offense, his leg movement. He's so balanced. He rarely is off balance. Um... And he's always in position to make you pay. And he could always get full speed into a shot, full power into a shot. Um, and he could always work off of another shot. Romero's not the kind of guy that could chain things together. He's not going to do that. Okay, He's going to maybe hit you with a 1-2. Uh, he'll swing big and miss and then fall off and have to reset. Davis is not going to do that. He's gonna, he could work off of things. He could build things. He could miss. And that miss could be setting up something else. Everything will continue to flow. That's where you'll really stand out with him, Romero, especially as they say, like, you know, class proves over time. That's what, the, to me, if you go go uh, multiple rounds in this fight, to me, Davis is just going to look superior. Like, if he doesn't get him out early, he's going to look really superior to him on third and fourth or fifth round, where it just doesn't look like Romero has a chance. Maybe that's where Romero starts getting dirty or, you know, trying to rough up Davis, possibly. But I think he's going to be very surprised on, like, the strength in this fight and the, the how much Davis has just because of his balance. I think that people are thinking that Romero's going to be way stronger than him and waiting to push him around. I don't, I don't really see that because at what point is Davis going to not be in position 
for whatever Romero's going to do. Like, if he's going to push a whoop, whoop point, and Davis not going to be in position. I don't think it works that way. I think that's what people are surprised, and maybe this is a, a good comp because of that point of Shane Mosley's career versus Floyd Mayweather, but Shane Mosley was very off-balance in that fight. And actually, Floyd Mayweather looked a lot stronger in that fight. He was actually able to push around uh, Shane in a way because Shane was Shane was off-balance, and Floyd was balanced. He was set. He was had his full strength of his legs underneath him. I think this fight could look, actually look a lot like that. Uh, what Romero would need is that round where Shane rocks Floyd Mayweather. He would need that kind of round in this fight. That's what he's kind of hoping for. I don't think he could win the decision in this fight. I don't think there's a chance on that. He would have to kind of land on Davis, and to me, have to land early to, do, uh, to really have a chance of winning this fight. I think that I don't think Romero is the kind of guy that gets hired or um, his game's going to change too differently from the first to the 12th by exhaustion, but maybe by damage by Davis is able to do in this fight. Um, that might change it. I'm going to clearly, as you can tell, I'm going to break down fair. I'm picking Davis. I think Davis could outbox in 12 rounds. It'd be easy. Shut up. I don't think that's in Davis' mentality. I don't think it's in this fight because I think he thinks he's so superior Romero, and I, I believe he is. I think he, he goes for the stoppage. Now, I think it's not like he's going to come out swinging in the first and second round, but I think he will stay in range. He will be very comfortable um, letting Romero, you know, trying to look for stuff and working off of that. And then when he starts seeing the Romero's off balance and those those openings, he sees him for like the second, third, fourth round. I think he lands a big left and puts uh, Romero out. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a kind of a sweeping left hand when Romero's kind of backing up and loses his position, has to reset and sets back up. And also, uh, places where Romero dips over, he might get set up for a left uppercut that will put him down. I do expect Davis to win this fight in stoppage, in devastating fashion, and to just really look uh, superior to Romero. Remember, Isak Cruz, I thought he was going to look superior to him uh, in a, a multiple fashion, in a big way. He, he, he won the fight. I thought he clearly won the fight. I didn't think it was close to everybody thought, but... People did think it was a competitive fight, maybe more competitive than it was. Uh, anyone thought it was going to be, or you know, maybe, I, to me more than it should be. But that could be because uh, Davis hurt his hand, or you know, he didn't respect him in the first few rounds, and they kind of had to box his way through it. I think another performance like that, um, maybe we start looking at Davis a little bit different. I think especially against Roy Romero. I don't expect that though. I expect him to look very sharp in this fight. Um, one of his more devastating performances in a while against Roy Romero. That's what I'm expecting. I'm picking Davis. I'll take fourth round stoppage. On the undercard, we have uh, Isandri, Esan, Eresandri, Eresandri, I, I say Eresandri Lara's name all the time, but right now I'm going to get all tongue-tied with it. And Gary Spike O'Sullivan at a middleweight title for the WBA regular middleweight title. Um, this is Lara's move to middleweight. The last one he did, he got Devastating knockout of cornflake in the um, and that's not a, that's not a, a, a derogatory term that I'm using here. That's really the man's nickname um, in the first round. And Spike's O'Sullivan, who you know is definitely seen not not his best days of fighting anymore, um, but it's a guy that is gonna you know come forward, uh, not gonna add too many different looks. He's kind of just gonna look to come forward and get to work. And Laura, at this point, who doesn't really have his legs anymore, still has the balance and still can, you know, do some defensive things with his legs when he needs to, but he's not going to be able to move around the ring the whole time. And he's definitely relying more on his timing and power more than ever before, so he's definitely way more entertaining uh, 
and a guy like Sullivan could really make him look very entertaining and very devastating. I think this could be a very entertaining fight, and it's kind of what I've uh, been preaching on about these undercards. You kind of just have to set your guys up to look good. I think this is setting Laura up to look good. Um, now Laura is getting older. Laura is, I believe, in his 40s, or if he's not, he's like high 30s. So he could just get old overnight, but O'Sullivan's like 37, so he could just get old overnight. I think this sets up uh, Laura to look good. And maybe sets up a Charlo fight in the future, or you know, just have another guy they that they can have at middleweight. Um, that you know, very, you know, everyone's kind of looking for a middleweight for their middleweight. So maybe this will be a future Charlo opponent, Laura, if you know Canelo doesn't come next year. Uh, the card, the fight before that, we have Jesus Ramos versus Luke Santa Maria. Uh, Santa Maria just beat Jesus Ramos' cousin, I believe, and uh, Abel Ramos. It's either his cousin or not, his uncle. I don't remember which one specifically, but he beat him uh, at 147 pounds. Now he will be moving up to fight Jesus Ramos at 154. Jesus Ramos, who is, you know, uh, one of the, you know, bigger prospects that uh, PBC has right now, and especially at the weight division they have him at, with you know Jermal Charlo there, Fondora, Zoo, uh, Harrison. There's a multiple. There's a lot of fights, big names for him. I don't know if he's ready 100 percent for that level yet. He's showing glimpses of greatness, right? But he's also, you know, I still think that in the last fight he was kind of showing that he was still trying to figure out some uh, stuff about his style. He's trying to be a little more slick last fight. I didn't think it was as effective. I do think that in a fight like this versus uh, Santa Maria, who where you know he, he's Ramos is really superior uh, than Santa Maria in a lot of facets of his game. But if you did try to get slick with San Maria, San Maria is the kind of guy that's crafty enough to, you know, beat him in that game. I don't think that that's the kind of game that uh, Ram- Ramos wants to fight in this. I think he has to go back to more of the pressure style, using his length, but using uh, the one I always use is di- uh, um, distance, like uh, pressure by uh, pressure by, you know, crowding San Maria's dis- distance, making them work, making them move. I think that would, would be what he has to do. If he tries to get too cute with San Maria, San Maria kind of plays that game. Now, San Maria is not the best at creating his own offense, but he's pretty good at, at working off of the offense that you give him. But I still think it's just almost that strategy he could be going on, is putting it on San Maria, because I don't think San Maria hits hard. I think he especially doesn't hit hard probably at 154. He's only fought 154 a few times. He just came at 147, which was probably his best performance. But he was still rocked in that fight, so I expect him to be rocked in this fight. San Maria is Good defensively, he's he knows what he's doing. He has a good feel for fighting, good feel for defense. He switches, he he does a lot of good things, but sometimes he tries to get too cute, and he doesn't have the physical, you know, uh, gifts to be where like a Pernell Whitaker, where you know it's impossible to hit him because his upper body movement is so fast, and he he's seeing everything. He doesn't see everything. He he's slick, he has a good feel, but they're still there to be hit. His card, when he forgets it on the inside, um, he. When he allows a little openings. Now, there's points where he's truly focused on it, but when he's truly focused on defense, there's not a lot of offense coming. So I expect Jesus Ramos to uh, pressure Santa Maria. I think Santa Maria will be maybe competitive early, but fall apart late, and I'm going to take Jesus Ramos to get a stoppage in this fight. Um, uh, and by breaking down Santa Maria. Right? Remember, Santa Maria is moving up in weight, and like I said, he's he has success 147. He's Fought at 154 before, but I think this would be a little bit too much to bite off. On the first fight of the opening, and this might be the best fight, is Eduardo Ramirez versus Luis Mendez. Now, Luis Mendez won a uh, controversial fight his last time out. 
but you know is skilled is very skilled likes to fight at his own pace um feels comfortable in the ring he never kind of seems rushed or panicked or you know just very calm uh smooth boxer pick likes to pick his shots now when you have a Walter Ramirez who's kind of the opposite as far as uh you know fighting at his own pace his own pace is just putting pressure on you and he's very loose with his offense he doesn't have to think too much about his offense it's just arms just kind of flow and He's kind of creating the uh, where he wants to place him as he's throwing them or how he's throwing them. And he has power in his hands, but he is moving up the weight. And Luis Mendez is kind of a big guy at super featherweight. He, he's fought at 135 before. So he's a decent-sized guy, but I don't think he has great power. But he it's just how much is the Walter Ramirez going to need to depend on his power, right, to be effective in this fight? And if he can't hurt Luis Mendez, and he kind of – Luis Mendez could at points just, you know, can box and he is good defensively and he's um if he's not worried about what's coming at him and he can stay in the pocket and pick his shots i wonder if some points you know does water Ramirez does he you know louis Mendes is not the hardest hitting guy at one uh at super featherweight but of course our water Ramirez is not the biggest guy at 135 at 130 so maybe he will feel louis Mendes' shots now water Ramirez. Will he just outwork Mendes, Melendez, who you know likes to really pick his shot, his, his uh, shots and work at his at his pace? You know, is he is there a chance that Walter Ramirez is just able to outwork him in this fight? Just too many, too much offense. I think this is a very intriguing matchup. I'm gonna go with Walter Ramirez to outwork Luis Mendes in this fight, and uh, I thought you know Luis Mendes did seem to get a favor, you know, uh, kind of a favorable decision last one, but he probably you know was a much closer fight and could have been argued that he lost it late. I think Ramirez, with his style, he's not the kind of guy to get robbed if he wins the fight because it's so offensive. You know, it's like what the judges really would want to score for. And let's see if his power carries. Let's see if his power is as devastating as it was in the lower weights in this weight. You know, he's been on a heck of a run. And I think this is a very intriguing matchup. And I want to see if Luis Mendez is maybe able to pick up the pace or, you know, show another step for, because to me, I think he has a lot of abilities, but it's just that extra, you know, get his engine going a little bit. Um, a lot of times, like even like NBA uh, drafts or when people scout and they say like this guy has like a you know low motor, right? He has a doesn't like it's not the most activity and works in spurts. That to me is like a big warning sign. And a lot of, you see a lot of guys flame out in the NBA when they they have that because you know that's what you need to be great. Sometimes you, you these guys fight at such a high level and it. It's um they're constantly doing something and you constantly have to be able to respond. If you can't do that and there's not just like a mental block or just something physical you can't do, that's a, to me that's a big hole in your game. So we're gonna see what Luis Mendes if he just you know that was the last fight that he just for some reason couldn't fight at a consistent pace, or versus a Wall Ramirez he's able to pick it up and you know do what he needs to do to not let a Wall Ramirez just outwork him in the ring. That's this card this weekend. So it's. You know, it's. I think there's. It's very good chances of a very entertaining card. Now, I don't know if it's the most competitive, or I don't know. Um, you know, it, the, the opponents are the highest level for the. You know, the A side. I don't. I don't think so. They're not. Besides the first fight, most of the opponents here are very overmatched, even in the main event. But I think there's it. The way it's matched up, and it's what I've kind of been saying, is you kind of put a guy in that. Besides South Korea, right. Lara should look very good in his performance. Jawaki Davis should look very good in his performance. And it should end in devastating fashion both fights, in my opinion. I don't think people are going to complain when fights end in, in massive knockouts. No matter how one-sided the opponent is, I don't think people complain about that. Like, if, if you look at um, 
uh, what's what's her uh, the female fighter for uh, Golden Boy? Why can't I think of her name right now? Well, anyways, she has a fight like where she fought a lady that was clearly not a legit boxer, and she knocked her out in the first round. That's the highlight they show every time she fights. Every time she fights, that's the highlight they show. Okay, so I don't think people really care. They don't really ask me questions that I'm going to see a devastating knockout. It's just, that's just the way it is. Now, there was uh, rumors of Tank leaving the money team after this fight. And, you know, it was, there weren't rumors. It was things that he said. You know what I mean? He said this was, he thought this was the last time he was going to fight for the money team. Now, I think what this turned out to be was uh, negotiations and the him putting pressure on uh, the money team to, you know, uh, come and make a, a great offer to keep him and an offer where it was, you know, obviously more money, right? Uh, he did have complaints about, you know, not fighting the best guys in weight class. I think if he goes back to the money team, which it kind of seemed like he was saying today, he was going to do, I, I don't think that uh, he's not going to get the Haney's or Lomachenko's or Cavosos or, you know, whoever wins this fight. Tiafimo's, he's not, not going to get those guys. It's just, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's in the cards. But they do, uh, TMT was along with uh, PBC, do have, you know, Isak Cruz lined up for him, uh, Ali Rivera, Valenzuela. Like, they are building guys for him. And 140 stacked for them as well. And if he really wants to go 147, you know, that's about to be wide open if Crawford and Spence fight each other and then move up. So there is a, a plan that they could lay out where he ends up, you know, fighting the, the guys I mentioned, eventually a fight with Keith Thurman, uh, whoever's the champ at 140 at the time, there's also interesting fights there. There's a pathway for him not only to get good fights, uh, profitable fights, but also fights that can move him up people, uh, you know, move up his resume and his legacy and make him a Hall of Famer. Those fights are there. The, the, they could build, put something together to make him a, get him very credible wins, very uh, notable wins. So, you know, he's, is he going to get the guys at his weight class or one, one of the four kings? Most likely not. I don't think so, no. If he stays with uh, the money team and PBC. But I still think there's still great fights for him there. I think there's a lot of competition for him there. And the guys that you think are, you know, in his competition could, you know, those things shift very quickly, okay? When Jermel Charlo was coming up, it was always heard. That was the guy, right, that he was going to be, that that was the matchup for him. They never fought each other. Jermel just had his biggest fight against Castano in the rematch. No one was talking about Castano at that time. You don't know how this is going to play out. It's, a, it's ever shifting. These divisions, the competition, everything. It's ever shifting. PBC has a lot of names. And they could they built 140 perfectly. They're building uh, 147. They'll rebuild it if they need to. Uh, and they, they, they finally have to opponents for 135. So him leaving... Not not really the money team. He could leave the money team and stay with PBC, but him leaving PBC right now, it's um, after they took the time to build these three guys and have these other guys. You know, it's not saying that him going to top rank wouldn't be like, uh, you know, wouldn't have a lot more options. I guess maybe the notable names are 135, but to me, they have enough options where they're at, and an above weight really, uh, to me, is the cherry on top. That, they, that he could just stay there, be the money man, be the big name, be the guy that they build around and build these opponents for you. And however long you can stay dominant and winning, they'll constantly have, uh, they'll constantly be looking for the next big name for you. I, th- I think that's a really good spot to be in. So I can't blame him for not leaving. I think it was just a negotiation thing where he says, you know, I'm going to leave, I'm done here. 
they don't appreciate me that uh, when Mayweather, you know, was promoting his own card, which was still kind of weird. I mean, let's not get past that. Let's not try to brush down the luck that Floyd Mayweather kind of was promoting his own card when Tank was fighting. They've done very little promotion for Tank in this fight, if we're going to be honest. I don't even know if it's on Floyd. It wasn't on Floyd Mayweather's Instagram for this whole time. I don't know if it is now. So, you know, I'm not, when it can't get past how that, that was kind of done pretty poorly. And it does seem like there was actual beef there. But maybe the, they've worked it out money-wise. That's how these things usually work out. Talking about the 135-pound division. Uh, and, you know, uh, Tank took some shots at Devin Haney. Called him the email champ, which is a, you know, a term that I think was created on boxing Twitter. So, you know, these little expressions that we, we say on boxing Twitter and everything. They just, the fighters are hearing them and, and now they're starting to be used in, in the mainstream. Now, Say what you want about Haney. And I don't think, if I had to pick who's going to come out the best guy at 135, and I had to rank him, I, Haney's not in my top two. He just isn't. I think that um, he looks like he has, you know, a, a lot of ability to, can, if he could put them all together, he'd be something special. He doesn't have any power. Okay, we, I'm, I'm just, you know, he doesn't have any power. His performances are not consistent. But... Saying all that, right? His performance aren't consistent. I think that defensively, that's there are some, there are some flaws there. It's not a perfect defensively. Uh, he's not perfect with his defensive performances. With saying that, though, last year, right? If we're doing the pre-grade for all the matchups, he had the best matchup of all the guys at one thirty-five. Of all the four kings, the main names, he had the best matchup against um, Jojo Diaz. Now, post-fight grade, you know. Cambosos was the B side, so I, I graded only by the A side. Cambosos had the best win at 135, yes, but pre fight grade, he had the best matchup. Now, he took second because Cambosos beat Haney, right? The upset. This year, he had the best matchup again against Cambosos, and it's better than um, Ryan versus. I honestly forgot who Ryan just fought his name. Um, better, Ryan than, better than Ryan versus that opponent. It's got probably be better than Ryan. It's better than Ryan versus Fortuna. It's better than Tang versus Roley. Lomachenko's not fighting. You know, Haney's once again going to have the toughest matchup again pre-fight score. So, we say I could say anything I want about Haney, what I think of his abilities or how I rate him. It doesn't matter. He's actually doing it, right? And Tank is probably going to come. Um, you know, Roley Romero is. To me, even though he's no, uh, a name maybe at this point, he's not a, like I said, I, I said at the beginning, he's not a great fighter. Yeah, I have no, uh, there's nothing in my mind that tells me he's a great fighter. I don't, no one can make that argument to me he's a great fighter or a, a great test for Tank. He just isn't, right? He's a name. So Haney is out here actually doing it. And Haney is setting himself up for, if he has to be Campbell, he has to beat him again. He's setting himself up for a Lomachenko fight. So there's a chance that, I mean, Haney blows everybody out the water with just the resume that he builds at 135. If he's able to get Camposo a beat, Jojo Diaz, Camposo's twice, and Lomachenko, and I'm not overrating Camposo's. I don't think Camposo's is the greatest fighter. I, I, I think he's a good fighter. I think he's a little overrated now because he beat Tiafimo, but he's still better than the competition that everybody's fighting. So that says about the competition that everybody else is fighting. It's, it's not great. It, it honestly is not great. And to me, it seems like Haney is really making a push for the names, and it looks like he's going to possibly get Lomachenko uh, maybe in a year or two. A year, year and a half, right? He'll get Lomachenko. 
and Tank can say whatever thing he wants, and I would pick Tank in that matchup, but he hasn't proved anything. He hasn't shown it, right? And Haney has, and Haney's taking those chances to prove it. So that's where the division is right now. Now, Ryan Garcia versus Fortuna, that's a, a step in a better direction for him. Um, and he looks like that would get his career back on track where it was before he left with, uh, you know, possible matches with Fortuna or, or Linares or uh, even uh, Jojo Diaz. So if he could fight Fortuna and then probably go possibly fight Jojo Diaz after that, if Jojo Diaz gets a win, uh, also uh, before they match up, that'd be, you know, that, uh, that that's building him in the right direction. Those are excellent matchups for him. He needs a, a lead in the pack, obviously. Uh, Lomachenko, the top rank is basically funneling him undisputed chance versus Haney or Cambosos, whoever wins that fight. And Tank getting Romero out of there is, you know, to me, not not that impressive. And then he'll go fight maybe Isak Cruz again, which to me is he's only uh, rated high because <laughs> Tank allowed a competitive fight against him. Then he'll go fight Ali Rivera, which, you know, very questionable with how high you rate him. And then Valenzuela, who people are a lot more higher on just because of what they see, and it's very impressive. And I'm not saying it isn't, but, you know, hasn't really truly beat anyone either. Like a wash of Vargas isn't really going to do to me to, you know, really solidify you. So, although I think Tank is finally getting opponents at 135, that at least, you know, kind of, you know, we can at least say, like, hey, this guy might make it tough for him. This guy's actually skilled. This guy can has the ability, he's not doing what Devin Haney's doing. No one's doing what Devin Haney's doing. So we have to give Devin Haney his credit at 135. He, to me, he's the king of it. If he can go through Cambosos, right, and uh, as far as, like, resume-wise, he's a, he'll be the king of it. He's the, he's the one actually being the name at that weight, especially with uh, TFMO going up to 140. Now, we did have an announcement uh, for the third fight for Canelo and Triple G. Um, I guess mixed reviews, I would say. I thought they were mostly negative, but I've, I've seen some positive stuff about this fight. It, it was announced kind of quick. Um, obviously, this was their plan. They thought that, uh, you know, if Canelo beat Favol, that he'd fight Triple G, but maybe they thought even if he wins or loses that fight, it really doesn't affect this fight. And I think they're right. And I think that even the loss probably makes this fight uh, more intriguing to people, right? They want to see what this fight's going to look like. I think that Canelo will... Um, will run through Triple G at this point of his career and point of Triple G's career. But, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, maybe we're overrating Canelo because he ran through uh, Colin Smith and Billy Joe Saunders, right? And and Caleb Plant maybe was not even that good. Um, and that allowed us to overrate what Canelo is. And, and, you know, we're going to have to find out, I guess, at that point. I, I, I don't think that's the case. I think Canelo is pretty good. I, you can, I can see the physical improvements of his game from, you know, 154 pounds to where he is now. And I'm interested to see how those apply to, you know, slowing down Triple G. I mean, Triple G got a good win versus Murata. It might be the best win in the middleweight division this year. But it he still had age to him. He still looked at points where, like, Murata was going to really put it on him. It looked like at points that he was really getting uh, bothered by Murata's uh, power and he was those shots were landing really flush. I just think that Canelo's able to land that flush that early at that rate. I, I mean, I don't think Triple G stands up to it, and especially 168 pounds. The reason this is not even going to be a notable win for Canelo is because he's got 168 pounds, and Triple G has never proven that he can fight anywhere past 160. I think I think Canelo runs through Triple G this time around. Um, if Triple G can make a fight of it, that 
that'd be very interesting to me. I'd be very interested to know what Triple G making a fight of it would look like. Um, I just think Canelo's just a lot uh, fresher. He's on top of his game. I mean, even though he's coming off a loss, I think that loss had a lot to do with size. That's going to take some time for, uh, you know, to prove, right, if I'm right about that. But, I, you know, I know people don't want to give that. They think that Kavova's too skilled. I think Canelo's king on 168. I think he proves that. I think he can further prove that in this fight. Um, and I don't expect Canelo to get a lot of credit when this fight's over. I'm not saying, I've already said it's not, I'm not going to give him another open win for it. And I think people are just going to be like, ah, you know, he fought Triple G and he's really old. That's kind of what the end result of this fight's going to be. That's going to be the headline. Is that Triple G's really old? Of course, Canelo's going to run through him. Canelo fans are overrating him for beating the old Triple G. That's probably what it is at the end of this. Um, going into it, I think a lot of people will say that Triple G is probably going to give him a tougher fight than what we're all saying. I'm already hearing that, so it's not like that's even me predicting that. I've, I've already heard that a few times. I don't think so. I think Canelo's going to kill him to the body. I think he's going to uh, be able to flurry on him. I don't think that Triple G will really even be able to touch Canelo in this fight. And I'm, just, I'm expecting a, a one fight la uh, landslide. Now, the, the, question, uh, the question is, right, going after this fight, is where does he go after that, right? He would have one more fight possibly with Matrim. And that was supposed to be in December. But now they're talking about a third fight. I mean, second fight with Bull, And they're saying that that's going to be in Cinco de Mayo next year. To me, what that sounds like, and that's just, I don't have, you know, any inside information. Sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm way off on these things, right? And I just read it wrong. But to me, it sounds like the Bavol fight's not going to happen. It sounds like the Bavol fight, Canelo's thinking about that. He's saying, maybe we'll sign that on the next deal. On this one, I'm going to fight Triple G. And don't be surprised now if uh, John Wright is back on the table. For December or January, February, don't be surprised if John Ryder comes back on the table and then Canelo goes back to the PBC and fights Charlo Benavides. I think that the fact that they even brought up that fight fighting Cinco Mile next year makes me seem like that fight's not going to happen and they're probably over that idea of 175 pounds. And to me, I mean, if you watch the fight, he had no power at the weight. His punches had no effect on Bavol. There's no way as, you know, like Eddie Reynoso, who is uh, trained at the highest level, can watch that fight and think that there's something they could do to turn this fight around if Canelo's power has zero effect on Bavol. And there's a chance that Bavol comes in way more confident in the next fight and is like, hey, this guy can't hurt me. And I know my shot's really pushing back. Even if he blocks him, he can't really work off of it. He's not even really able to counter off it. I just have a hard time thinking that Eddie Reynoso seeing that and being like, yeah, let's go run this back again. Because I can't really see a, a way that Canelo wins this fight. Like I said, the only way you can make an argument to me that Canelo will win the rematch against the Bull is if you truly believe that, that Canelo was off that night. That something had to do with his diet or you know overtraining or something like that. That's the only thing. And I don't, I'm don't. i not buying any of that. I just think he's just too small. And Bavol's too skilled. He would have to fight a, you know, a less skilled um, opponent with, with that kind of size advantage. Right? You would have to be just as far superior to them on skill that where you could just outwork him and, and uh, take point and outpoint him to decision. Bavol's a high-level fighter, and he's bigger. It's just it's nothing in there to me gives, should give uh, Canelo any confidence that he can win a rematch in this fight. And to me, push it, saying that it could happen at Cisco Mile, it seems like that fight's not going to happen at all. Thank you guys for listening. You can hear my podcast on Spotify, 
Apple, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. I'm also put these on YouTube. Also, I have just the Ez Raw Live podcast, which is just on YouTube. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ezra Boxing, on Facebook at Ezra Boxing, and on Instagram at Ezra Boxing. Thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Peace.